It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. It's Out of Darkness Into the Light. And we have the lovely Miss M here. That's spelled E-M for Emily. And she is our resident sky gazer in beautiful San Diego. And Emily is a very curious person because she actually claims that she sky gazes each day for an hour, which you can actually do in San Diego in the winter. And, you know, they got nice weather there pretty much. And uh, Emily complains when it drops below 60 degrees. And uh, she says her office is out in her car. <laughs> and uh, she's out in her car right now. Are you in your office right now? Yeah, I'm in my office. But you have a nice office. Do you have? A, did you say you had a Mustang? Yeah, it's a Mustang. It's a 2000. I like nice it. Nice office. Yeah, I like it. And so anyway... Um, just for a little bit of review, Emily was seeing all these uh, visual anomalies in the sky, and she was trying to figure out who the heck is talking about this. And so she began to Google things like sky and fake, and she claims that she didn't find anybody until she came across our show. I think you came across the word fake. So, so what we're going to do, um, as long as we want to or whatever, We'll have some sky gazing reports, and she'll talk about some of the things that she sees in the sky. Because you would think that Dave is out there gazing at the sky all the time, but uh, I um, never really did that a whole lot. I used to see the same kind of things over and over again. The stars were all moving around. I didn't stay out there long enough to see the specific things that she's talking about. But guess what, Emily? I did see those things when I was on mountain climbing trips because it's very clear, and I would just sit there you know, on my back, and because uh, a lot of times I was bivouacking. That's a French term for uh, huh. you don't use a tent when you're a mountain climber, you know, because you're, there's just, there's certain reasons why you don't want to have a tent, and sometimes I wouldn't even bring a tent at all. Sometimes you the bring it, sometimes you don't. But, I mean, you're just sitting there staring at the sky, and it's amazing what you will see going on up there. Um, The most Amazing thing I ever saw was this, um, it kind of freaked me out, but I saw this kind of kaleidoscope effect where there was a huge number of stars. I don't want to exaggerate, maybe like 40, maybe only 30, and they were expanding and contracting with absolute precision, you know, as a group. And I just sat there and watched that, and I'm just going, whoa. And you're kind of wondering, you know, who else is seeing this? Is there anybody, you know? So I've seen utterly fantastic things in the sky. But um, I, I don't see them much from the city. And, of course, you have this this glare from the city. And people will go out and try to see that um, you have this artificial night sky. It's all based on seeing that, you know, the small stars are moving. And uh, you want to wait till that later at night because it's not very impressive, um, you know, like around uh, 9, 10 o'clock or whatever the time of year, you know. 
Um, you need to have a good dark sky, and it's very, very impressive uh, because they all appear to be UFOs. They're all pretty much dancing around. And I did a podcast there with uh, Johnny McMahon. I've done some shows with him on the Iron Show. And uh, he went out live and did that. And, uh, you know, nobody's ever had a problem with this since 1997. I actually guarantee that you will see your first UFO, if you haven't seen one before. And nobody's ever failed. They're just like, whoa, you know. But, yeah, you're just looking at the most obvious, um, quote-unquote, stars up there. And uh, sometimes they change colors from green to white to red. But they don't necessarily have to. But it's, it's obvious that they're not a star because they're, they're drifting off to the left and right, and they start to, like, bounce up and down like they're performing for you. Like, look at me. I'm a fake star. <laughs> and you never noticed this before. <clears throat> So anyway, I want to say something else about uh, our show is that um, uh, there's somebody out there who doesn't like this show, and I'm not going to name the website, but uh, it's the biggest website in the world for podcasting, in my opinion. That's where people go to download podcasts. And Dave has discovered a number of these things. I'm only going to talk about one thing, okay? My podcasts are being held back from showing up there, I know that for a fact. Uh, one of the ways I can prove that, I can go and look at Hoaxbusters uh, show, and it will show up there within hours or sometimes overnight. Um, 17 days have gone by, and my podcast has not shown up. And there's another really good site out there, which I think I'll leave unmentioned as well, where you can uh, download and access the individual shows, because you can't do that on TalkShoe, and you can't even do that on iTunes. But you can get that's the easiest way to get the podcasts into your ears on iTunes. They just kind of dump them on you. But if you want to access an individual podcast and send it to somebody in the email without using, like, Google Drive or send an MP3 file, you know, just the link, uh, this other website... Um, I think I'll pass over them for right now. But they haven't downloaded anything in in 17 days either. And uh, so why am I saying this? Because, you know, you have to ask yourself, why are they doing this? Before we got on here, Emily and I've been talking for a couple hours or something like that. Um, I mentioned something to her, you know, a little data point. It's all about perception. This can be something that's very negative or it can be something positive. And I told it to her because I wanted it to be positive. But I told her, you know, it all depends on your emotional state. I mean, you can wake up the next day. It's like, oh, man, you know, I wish he hadn't told me that. But uh, I like to, you know, confront knowledge directly and look at it as a gift of God and receive it for what it is, you know. And uh, you got to kind of step up to the plate. But that's the same thing with this, you know. Um, this is a negative thing, but the positive side is, why is it that somebody in a position of power doesn't like what we're talking about? You know what it comes down to? The word truth. That's what they're concerned about. Truth. And this politically correct culture, oh, you're not supposed to talk about how you have truth on your own podcast. Well, really? Okay. So you think they're concerned about something else? 
let them figure it out for you because the patterns are there. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, I've been wanting to mention that for quite some time, but I haven't said anything about it. This podcast is being um, <clears throat> singled out and uh, basically messed with. And they actually do a lot of weird things. And that's just one of them I want to talk about. So another thing that has to do with this subject in general is Dave has made the bizarre claim that when people get, quote-unquote, in close proximity to us, end of quote, these people say that strange things begin to happen at their end. And uh, so what we like to do is get on here and talk about these strange things. And in the past, some of these things have had to do with, like, uh, the subject of gang stalking, it crosses over to what's called targeted individuals. But specifically, we're talking about kind of low-level, quote-unquote, street drama, where they're trying to strike a balance based on a personality profile that they already have on you. This is no big deal because they got one for everybody, okay? Everybody on this planet. Um, but you're not really drawing their attention yet. They designed something just for you and basically just try to get into your head a little bit. And uh, so they're, they're trying to strike a balance between being subtle, but they want you to know that they did it. And they have two basic methods. One is where they're just working with you in isolation. And the other one is, and I've seen heavens for this over and over again, that they make a calculated risk that you're going to tell Dave. I know this for a fact because um, there's a guy I've done shows with before. He's a young guy. He's not around too much. He just emailed, emailed the other day. His name's Chris. There's different Chris's around here. And he made the claim, and he was absolutely certain about this, that his his boss was Illuminati. Now, the boss was doing things. It was, like, glaringly obvious that the boss wanted him to know this. Okay? And one of these things that this boss did, it, it, she handed him a piece of paper with a code on it. And the code did not mean anything to him. He gave me that code, and it like completely jumped off the page. And I immediately interpreted for him in about five seconds. And he's just going, oh, my God, oh, my God. They gave him that code because they knew that he would tell me, and they knew that I could interpret it very quickly. And it actually had to do with things that we were talking about back in uh, late December 2012, which actually had to do with all this hoopla about the year 2012. And this is where it gets very interesting because um, this is some kind of a weird psyop where uh, where I'm delusional and they're trying to to keep me there. It was actually verifying that, um, that this was true. What we, you know, our interpretation of what happened in 2012. The reason is, is because there were people in the background, not me, that were actually told the specific day on when this age began, because that's what it happened. There's ages that manifest all through history. We have all this lost knowledge. We don't know their starting dates, and there's no way to know their starting dates unless you have a revelation. That right there will tell you the importance of revelation. You see? So it really comes down to, is it true that history is cyclical? Well, that's a different subject. But the reason I bring this up <clears throat> is because the very date 
that was prophesied, that was the that was the date on this piece of paper. You see, so it was intended for Dave, and Dave interpreted it. And guess what? That's what they wanted. And they have done these kind of things before. Sometimes they do things that well, Dave will understand, and Dave will tell you. But other times, they'll do things that are subtle. But uh, they want you to know that they're doing it. This is what they normally do. They absolutely want you to know. You know. Uh, you know, we did this. But they will still do it in a subtle way. And that's why there's nothing really to get concerned about. Nobody's ever shown up at anybody's doorstep. Uh, we've had helicopters hovering <laughs> over uh, Channing's house. And we know what's going on with that because the first time it happened, the very night before, even though I've known him for quite some time, the very night before, I gave him a lecture on the very thing we're talking about right now. And that was a response to the lecture. Okay? And we have seen this kind of thing happen over and over again. Well, they will actually reference a previous night's conversation or a previous show and you, some of you have heard on the older podcasts, there's a classic, classic example of this where we started talking about um, the significance of red hair historically, how it relates to royalty, and specifically this great goddess figure, however you perceive all that. And now I'm referring to her as Persephone, okay? Which is something I knew back then. I just wasn't used to throwing that, that name around, Okay. And lo and behold, what happened is that two people made the claim that they sent people with red hair uh, at the airports, because we had two people at airports, and they had uh, people with red hair following them around. But see, it's done in a way that it's obvious. They don't want you to sit there and go, I wonder if that has something to do with that podcast. You know, it's just a theory. Oh, no, we don't want theories. We want you to know, you see. So Emily went to a fabric store, and she had this lady that acted both subtly but a little bit strangely. And see, you have to evaluate it. And I've seen, you know, time after time, where these things will happen to people, and they don't realize what's going on. And But sometimes they do later when they start to think about it. But I will realize immediately, and I'll start asking questions. I'll say, what did you think about this? Now, what did the person say? And what did they do next? And all of a sudden, they start to realize, oh, my God, I think you're right about that. But, you know, you're not reading into it. You just haven't evaluated it yet. So you have to evaluate it, you see. And once, once you start to evaluate it, then you realize, oh, wow, that's true. Okay? So, Emily, why don't you tell us your little story about the lady that visited you now, this happened um, after you started talking to us, right? Are you there? Okay, she might have Sorry got dropped. Hey, Dave, I'm here. Um, okay. First of all, thanks for having me on. Huh? Um, it's always nice talking with you. Did you hear so the last thing I said? Uh-huh. Yeah, tell us your story about the, this strange lady. Yeah, so I'm at uh, the fabric store, and I'm... Um, all by myself down this one aisle and I'm, I'm, you know, on my knees looking at some fabric on the bottom shelf and this lady comes up to me and approaches me and 
and she asked me if, excuse me, um, you know, can you really nice? Excuse me, can you help me find fabric that matches this fabric for this dress? And it was in like a, such a nice way that it wasn't like I, I, I thought it was weird at first, but and I and I realized she doesn't think that I work here because she's not talking to me like I work here. She, even though that was a question that might have seemed like I work, that she thought that. It was just so natural that it, it didn't, anyways, it was weird. And so I, I said, yeah, absolutely, you know, and I stood up and and I like just, she goes, see, I've already picked out this, and she's describing what she picked out as we're walking down two other aisles, which it was just bizarre. She came out of nowhere, and now she's taking me back two aisles away. Um, nobody else was in the same aisle with me. So anyways, we get back to this aisle, and there's, she goes, see, is, is it, would it be this one? And she's pointing, and I'm touching the fabric she's pointing to. And I'm like, well, not really. This one seems a little thicker, a little more shiny um, black. Or it seems, you know, oh, let's look at the, let's look at what kind of fabric. Oh, it's um, it's satin, it's wool, it's this, it's that. Anyways, we were, and we're going through about six or seven of these fabrics, and um, we're talking, and I just, like, all of a sudden offer to, like, touch her dress, so, like, because I'm, like, getting into the fabrics, and I'm feeling the fabrics that I'm suggesting, and so now, oh, why don't I sell her fa- this fabric? So I, like, touch it, and I'm, like, I don't know. It's just, and then shortly after that, this man comes, like, storming up from behind me. The aisles are small. Um because the fabric is hanging off both sides, so it, it's a little enclosed, you know, it closes you in a little. So he comes out of nowhere. I see him in my peripheral vision, and um, he just, like, barges past me. I mean, he didn't touch me, but it felt like he was going to run me over almost. He was a big guy. He was tall. He was he was built, and he was probably overweight, I'm sure. Anyways, um, he acted like he didn't notice me, and it was just the weirdest feeling I had, and and then he acted very concerned, possibly angry, but concerned, and they he basically swept her away. I mean, I remember thinking there was, there was no, like, goodbye or anything, and even at one point during the lady and I, our, um, our fabric hunting or whatever it was, um, I even said to her, you know what, I'm not sure. She had, she asked me something, and I said, I'm not sure, but we can get, you know, we can get one of the people that works here, one of the employees. We can we can go find out and ask one of the employees. So I wanted to make it clear to her just in case I was wrong, you know, that, no, I do not work here at the fabric store, but I will help you find an employee. So I, it was just, even after she, I knew she knew that I didn't work there, she didn't, like, say, okay, bye. You know, there wasn't really any, it was right. weird. It was really strange. And I thought about it, and I thought back on it, and it just never even occurred to me that, I, it, what occurred to me is something's wrong, because I've really learned to trust my instincts. But see, I don't know what to do with it, so I trust it. It was there from the second she approached me, because I remember thinking, how could she have even found me? I was, like, on my knee, so I was bent down. I was the only one in the aisle, like, and it was so weird how she was far away from me where she took me back to, like, the area she was in. Pause right I, there. It, huh? All these Satanists are, are all teched up, and they have little things. Uh, the lowest form of tech is a little tiny earpiece that you can't see unless you know exactly what to look for. You know, it's wireless. And they're in constant communication with a the handler. And 
he directs them straight to you. That's how that works. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and for the guy to just come up like that, too, because the the approach on both of them was startling, to say the least. Like, if anything, the first time when she, the first approach was was hers, when she approached me, I was, I was, like, flattered, you know what I mean? Because I always have people that approach (laughs) me on things, and I was excited because I was already at the fabric store for, like, an hour, and I was probably there for another hour, like, I could be there forever, and um, it was, I was picking out several different types of fabric, just small amounts, though, um, and it was all related to a gift for somebody before Christmas, and so I was really into it and excited, and I was feeling the joy of the season, just, you know, it was fun, and so I was, like, flattered, and I was, like, more than happy to help, and I just, I was in my mood, you know, I was, like, <sighs> so... I just, I never Yeah, they were probably me. beaming frequencies at you to put you in that mood, to make uh, everything go well. That's the theory. Go ahead. Yeah, and they know I love the fabric and the craft work because I'm always there. Um, real quick question, just a shot in the dark. Was there any particular color she was focused on? Black. Black? Yeah, and it kind of got to the point where it Black. went from, like, okay, lady, like, she was so agreeing with everything I was saying. So I was like, okay. I was like, okay, so this fabric is, yeah, so I was being real basic, okay? Like, I was <laughs> talking to a child because that's how I want to be. I want to be thorough, you know? So I'm like, okay, so this fabric, it looks a little thicker, doesn't it? And you can't really, it's not as transparent, and it's definitely shinier. And so she go, yep, 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 like, real quick to say yes, and... I'm thinking this isn't complicated. Like, and you seem to understand. So, what? What do you need my help with again? What is it again? Yeah. You know, it was just. It's strange behavior. But Emily, remember I told you before we pushed the record button about the personality profile. Okay. Well, in Dave's personality profile, and there's consistent evidence for this. I'm very analytical. They will do things knowing that Dave's going to analyze this, whether it's they do it for somebody else or for something for me. You know, he'll he'll figure it out because they want you to figure it out, you see. But, see, we're going to analyze the color right now because, see, it's not going to prove anything, okay? But let's stop and think about the colors. What is the number one color in isolation, we're not talking about red and black, that they would use to give an indicator that something is awry, especially if Dave is going to analyze it? What would that color oh, be? Oh, yeah, totally. It would be the color black. Well, she also has black hair, too. Now, the second most color you know. would be orange. <laughs> orange. And we've talked about the color orange, and I've actually talking to a girl in great detail today on Facebook who is has esoteric knowledge, and I'm going into great detail about the color orange. And we're actually analyzing these videos together um, where they're putting orange all through the video for esoteric purpose, and the average person is going to see nothing. So that would be my second. Now, any other color besides black and orange is not going to really prove anything, okay? But the fact that they use black, I would say black one, orange two, after that, not going to prove anything. It doesn't matter if it's red, purple, you know. But they use black. So there you go. Now, see, stop and think about that. 
there's seven colors in the spectrum. Pink is an esoteric color, okay? And black is not in the spectrum. And you also have white. So you got about ten colors there, basic colors. So you got a one in ten chance right there. If they want to communicate something with color, and they are all into color, color symbology. And I said before they use the exact same colors as um, <clears throat> is in the Bible, which you'll see predominantly in the Book of Revelation. You know, white communicates something, red communicates something. You know what I mean? Purple communicates something. They don't. They don't change the pattern because they're. Actually, traditionalists, they have an ancient perspective. Okay? So, let me see here. <clears throat> you said the word flattery. See, that word jumps out at me. Satanists are all about flattery. And I said personality profile. They <clears throat> projected that you would be flattered. She did it on purpose based on your personality personality profile and people say, Dave, that's a theory. Well, it is a theory, okay? It also has a good degree of uh, probability that it's true because this is the way, way they work. I said before that they're very efficient, they know what they're doing, and they're trying to achieve a desired end, and they don't like failure. Now, someone will look at this and go, this is not important. Why are we talking about it? Well, actually, it's just for mostly entertainment, but, you know, I've also, when I make a claim, I like to produce some evidence because that's, you know, I don't like to just make claims and go, well, Dave, it's a crazy claim, you know, and nobody can back that stuff up. Well, this show has been an ongoing, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, revelation about uh, how this kind of stuff is actually going on. So when they do these kind of things, our response is to get right on there and, and talk about it. And people find it amusing. So. That, I believe that was deliberate flattery based on your personality profile, Emily. Yeah, and I'd like to add to that because um, they also, if that's the case, and they also know that this is not uncommon for me to be approached um, at all. So it didn't take me a surprise in that manner. Like, mm -hmm. that's a normal thing for me, but usually it's when I'm walking past somebody or if I have eye contact with them. Um, that's usually when the approaching would happen, not like, you know, the lady came up from me from behind, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, so they would also have known that, that I wouldn't have been so thrown off like if I was never approached or, you know what I mean? This is a regular thing for uh -huh. me to be approached. Well, let me say a couple other things there. By the way, what she was doing there is trying to push your buttons. That's That's what it's called, okay? To get a desired... Response. Now you said the you said that she appeared out of nowhere. This is something that you hear over and over again, and we've had people talking about this on the show, where they'll be like at the supermarket or whatever, and they will actually say, "And this person appeared out of nowhere." They actually use this technique where you go to grab something. And this is the classic. You know, people think his personality profile is it was some, right kind when of I wild to grab theory. Something. Oh no, it's not the personality profile. Because you go to grab a product off of a shelf, and they, quote-unquote, come out of nowhere and grab the product just before you grab it. Now, they're, what they're doing, they're trying to get into your head, and they're trying – and they're telling – here's the message. There's always a message, okay? We know 
what you want. Okay? Like uh, one time this guy made these cryptic statements to Lisa and let her know, well, we know you come to this store, you see. And the last time they happened with me, I talked about it in this 15-minute little podcast. Um, that's what happened to me. They sent this guy to a store with a number 17, and I was out there walking, listening to this podcast, and thinking about the number 17. I mean, there's, there's no way. I mean, you want to say, well, that's a coincidence. You can say it all you want. <laughs> but anyway, um, the other thing you said, that this guy, he barged right by you. And we've actually had, like, uh, Rachel and Connie on talking about that very thing. Like, uh, Rachel talked about how this, uh, she believes she was a witch, and so do I. And they will, like, push this, uh, you know, shopping cart, like, right at you, like they're going to run you over. And and then, like, come out of nowhere, and you're going, what the heck is wrong with this lady? You know what I mean? <laughs> this is when you're in the non-evaluation mode. Sometimes you have to, because you just stop shopping. You're not thinking about this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, when I go shopping, I don't even, I never look around for this kind of stuff. And and they actually don't do it much with me. I've talked about that over and over. They do it with other people, you know? That's just the way it is. I mean, even if they are, I'm not even noticing. But like Connie says, she, too, she doesn't go out and look for this kind of stuff. She just, you're thinking about shopping, you know what I mean? And they actually know that. And that's why they do these things, and they, they make it obvious. But it also has a degree of subtlety to it as well, you know. Now, what they're trying to do, <clears throat> I can tell you pretty much across the board, if it's a female, they're, they're a witch, and they want to establish some kind of point of contact, okay? Now, there's different types. Ideally, they want to touch you momentarily. They're actually trying to put a curse on you, okay? Uh, you know, Rachel and Connie have actually talked about these witches who will appear out of nowhere and line up right behind them and start, you know, developing a conversation, and they want to get all touchy-feely with you. They want to put their hands on you at least one time because this is what makes witchcraft more powerful. But it can be any kind of point of contact it could be the fabric, which is a medium between both of you. That will make the magic more powerful. In other words, she didn't actually touch you. But the other thing about magic is it's more powerful if you're in close proximity to the person. Okay, If you're standing right next to a person, that magic is more powerful, despite what some people may believe, than if you're halfway around the world. You can do it halfway around the world, but if you're standing right next to the person, it's more powerful. If you have a medium, it's a point of contact, like a fabric that you both touch, that's even better, but ideally you want to touch the person. And Connie has told the story how she went to a um, a Christian uh, conspiracy conference, okay? And there's a guy in there that we, we, I already determined that he was a Satanist, posing as a Christian. And Connie was, you know, young and naive. This was the first year that I talked to her. And what did he proceed to do? He led her off into a... Uh, a room, isolated, they want to isolate you, okay? Oh, and it's going to be all spiritual. Oh, yes. He wanted to pray with her. Doesn't that sound spiritual, Emily? And what did he do? He put his hand on her and left it there. Now, this is one of the things, this is a technique. Do not allow these people to touch you at one of these conferences. These conferences with these um, conspiratorial-like people 
the, the, the people that make the circuit, I've said it before, most of these people are agents. And the other people that are there are very naive because they haven't figured out that they're agents. I'm talking about the people that are actually, um, you know, speakers. They make the tour with these people right. and, and never figure out because they're not conspiratorial enough. They have a little technique, by the way. They want to be your buddy. They shake your hand, okay, and then they go out to eat with you. And they develop an emotional attachment to you. And there's a guy out there that I've done shows with. <clears throat> He's had me a guest on his show. Okay. And uh, I, I hinted at him that this person that he has a uh, – he's one of these people that makes the circuits, okay? Uh, that this person could possibly be an agent. Now, I have a technique in doing that. I don't give my opinion. I use the opinion of a third party. I said, well, you know, there's people out there that think he's blah, blah, blah. And his first response was, guess what? He's my buddy. He's my buddy. He's, he's your buddy because, you know, you went out after these conferences and you sat there and you had a meal. And uh, you had fellowship with somebody you thought was a Christian brother. You see that? That's what they want. They want to be your friend. They want to pat you on it. And they all have compliments. That's exactly what Connie got up there, gave some kind of testimony. Oh, and she was surrounded by well-wishers. Oh, you did such a good job. You have speaking skills. You see, <laughs> now what did they do? They flattered her. You see that? And, of course, she's telling me this later. I'm sitting there evaluating it. And uh, Connie would not mind me telling you this because it already happened to her. I'm talking to Connie, by the way. She's emailing me and we talk on the phone. And, uh, and um but she said that, um, well, she actually was being influenced by technology. It was being directed at her heart, some kind of a frequency weapon. And she felt like her heart was going to explode. And then also they put her in some kind of a manufactured trance. And she, I was talking to her over the phone, you see. And she said, well, I think I, I, need, I, think I need to uh, not talk to you anymore and I, I think I have to go now, and uh, I mean, she wanted to like virtually just split permanently, okay? And I knew exactly what was going on because she was acting very bizarre. I knew she was under the influence. So what I did, I started talking her through it and praying. And guess what? I brought her back. She came back to her right mind, and she actually talked about this to some degree on the show, okay? And so you just see, you know, you got these naive Christians out there. They go out there, not even they go to a a, uh, a Christian conspiracy conference, never even thinking about the possibility that some of those guys could be agents. They're just manipulated, left and right. It's completely laughable. And this one guy who said that this particular individual, <clears throat> well, I'm 100% certain is an agent. Uh, people have even had re revelation he's an agent, but you don't really need revelation. He said he's his buddy. This guy is more surrounded by agents than anybody that I know of that's out there like, you know, kind of a semi-public figure. And I have personally had to withdraw myself from this person because if I hang out with him, I'm basically hanging out with agents. And they, they know what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> they know that I know. They're agents. This is where it gets very interesting. And uh, but he doesn't have a clue. 
because he's one of these trusting souls, and he believes that God is bringing these people around to have fellowship. And that's what clouds the mind, you see. There's a veil there that he needs to pierce through, and it has to do with the emotions. And it's just not happening. So, yeah, when they barge by you like that, one of the things that they're doing, Emily, is trying to get your attention. They're trying to do something that kind of stands out, but still be a little bit subtle at the same time. You know, what your initial reaction is going to be, well, that's kind of odd. But see, you're not in the evaluation mode yet. You see that? Yeah. I mean, I was totally all for it. It was fun. I mean, at first I was like, this is a great project, you know. Uh I was all about it. Now, um, when she first started to talk to you, do you think there was any evidence that she actually knew that you were not working there? Not an employee? Not for her, but I just knew that she knew I wasn't. Eventually it became obvious that she knew that you were not an employee. Oh, in the beginning, I, I, to me, it was obvious that she knew I was not. It was so From obvious. In the very beginning, she knew that. Yeah, but I don't have any evidence. Like, I can't Okay. Say, like, I, you know, that except for everything about me looked, did not look like I worked there. And usually that would be the first thing that you would ask you somebody instead of assume. I mean, you know. Well, this is not hard. If you're working at Joann's or Michael's or something like that, you're going to have a little name card, aren't you? Yeah, I mean... There's so many. There's so much to that. Yeah. People totally. look at those I mean, things just work. like they work for wedding rings, and uh, they look. They actually look for your name. Well, you and know, I think I was wearing name. like a motorcycle jacket. It was like, and you know, it was like a like, you know, my outfit was totally. You had not, a motorcycle you know, like, jacket on. Well, not really, but it's like um, it was like a puffy one though. Like a, Is that the one that you use to ride your scooter? Oh, I put my no. Usually <laughs> when I have my scooter. <laughs> I even take that thing on the main road um, and do the little turn signals. I've, took it, I've taken it to the gas station, too. I pulled it to the gas station, and it's hilarious. But I don't have it anymore. But, yeah, I, no, I wore, when I wore my, my scooter was my um, my tank top. It was a skeleton tank top. I was yeah. part of my own scooter club, you know. I had my, it was like it was like an X-ray picture of a skeleton. It was pretty cool. Well, this is why it's important to evaluate things, because you you just take one data point alone, the jacket you're wearing. That jacket, I mean, if you're trying to actually figure out what's going on here, that jacket becomes critically important because it's obvious that you do not work there. See that? Now, stop and think about it. What they want to do, they want to interact with you, obviously, right? So, I mean, the options are fairly few. If you're in a fabric store, what are you going to do? You can talk about the weather. That, that, that's going to run thin real quick, okay? But I'm saying, you know, this is all planned, and, you know, what is the big reason why they do this, okay? Uh, to let you know that, you know, we are, uh, we're here now, and uh, I see that you are on Dave's show, Emily. Uh, so we're here now, you know. We're going to be here from now on, and we'll be in contact with you, okay? Out there in the perimeter somewhere. So, you know, like the girl that I was, talking to you today, uh, like I said, they all have a personality profile. And with her, she's a little bit on the paranoid side. They are always sending people to stare at her. Okay? They're always staring at her. Now, you've actually mentioned that you've experienced this yourself. 
and you're wondering, um, are they doing this because um, I'm a female in my 30s, or is there something else going on here? You know, well, no, actually, it's it, happened it, my whole life. There you go. Okay. When I was a kid, I mean, it's happened my whole life, and it, and if I don't, if I didn't realize it, I was being told it by somebody I was with. Like mm-hmm. every time I'm with you, everybody stares at, at me and you. Like, what's up with that? Well, they don't do that with me. They never have. But when I was a little kid, and this is not going to prove anything, there was a man that was following me around. And uh, he was trying to be subtle about it, but I saw him, you know. And you never know for certain, okay. But we like to talk about um, esoteric things here. And I'm just saying, these guys have got the technology to to actually measure and visually see um, an energetic field that's emitting from your body. As scientists actually refer to it as a, the auric field. It's electromagnetic. It has different colors in it. New Agers call it the aura. And just to give this a little bit of perspective, if you know what to Google, you will see story after story after story after story, just like UFOs and Bigfoots and Loch Ness Monster, that when people create a certain device called a a cloud buster, which is used with organite technology, uh, for some curious reason, they get visited but not at the not 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 at the uh, the door, from the sky, typically with a helicopter, but not always. And so we had a guy here. It wasn't Johnny, who actually created the cloudbuster. And that's exactly what happened to him. And they do it in a way that you know they're they want you to know. Now the reason I bring this story up is because that cloudbuster creates a visual etheric cloud. It's invisible to the human eye unless you can see energy like Emily can. This is where things get interesting. Emily can see certain energetic fields. This is something. the cloudbusters as well. I've seen it. Uh huh. So there's an example there where <clears throat> they're identifying what's actually happening there. There's there's a there's a new positive right spin energy field in a local neighborhood. And I hate to say this folks, but your local military, we're talking about, you know, black military, is aware of that. And they don't like it. And believe it or not, it actually has an effect on the weather. That's one reason alone why they don't like it. Okay? And they want you to know that they don't like it. Okay? So they have that kind of technology. Now, humans actually project a visible electromagnetic field. We've talked about it over and over again. I just uploaded an old podcast with the title Curly and Photography in it. And this is actually outdated, archaic technology. But I use it because it's you can Google it easily. And it proves a lot of things that Christians don't believe in. They never talk about this in a local church. So they're unaware of these kind of things. Okay. But you, you're more important than organite device. And if they can do that, everyone has a unique field. And I'm going to present the theory, which I cannot prove, that if you are a person that God has designed to impact the world in a significant way, your field will look differently than other people's field. Now, this is a huge subject. I could belabor it 
and I would have to to make you know bring some sense to it. I'm just saying that that's what I believe, uh, and this is one of the ways that they keep an eye on you from the time you're a child, and because there has to be some reason. Why are these people doing these things? Because we have stories from people who are saying they were doing this in childhood, just like Emily. So why were they doing that? Well, you develop your own theory. I mean, this is actually based on something that's reasonably scientific. You know what I mean? They can visually see things. And if you've got your local Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall is keeping information on you, because they are, Every single time that they come to your door, uh, they take notes and they store them all in a database. Okay, if the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing that, you better believe these psychopaths who have an extremely curious mindset—they're obsessed with information on everybody. Everybody has a personality profile, and they've got one on you, whether you want to believe it or not. Oh, I'm—I'm I'm no one of any importance. Doesn't matter. They got one anyway, because they're just obsessed with that kind of thing. And these are extremely curious person, and they love to watch you. So this girl I'm talking to, she's always talking about they're watching me. And see, in this political correct culture, you're supposed to look at her and and slap a label on her and go, oh, well, she's paranoid or she's delusional. You know what I mean? That's supposed to be your your response. You know what I mean? Just like if you have a truly intelligent a person that emerges out of this giant cult that we call a society, uh, if everything goes right, you're supposed to put him in a mental institution and drug him because he was actually a genius. Okay, If a genius emerges, um, if things go right and smoothly, um, you isolate that person, drug him, declare him to be mentally ill, and lock him away. Uh, hopefully with the parent's consent because this is what needs to be done, Emily. Did you know that? We were talking about genius earlier. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And uh, they psyop you with everything. And I've talked, you know, lately about Albert Einstein. But it is true. And this is your programming, folks. As soon as you hear that word genius, it's like his picture just pops up in your head. And I said before, he's a complete fake, a plagiarist, and that's one of the easiest things that you can infallibly prove just like genealogies that are relatively recent because um, these are things that are documentable, you know. So anyway, Emily, um, why don't you go ahead and talk about your um, what you've seen up in the sky. Okay. And I'm going to hang the phone up and listen, and I'll, I'm going to charge. I did not expect it to beep like that. So. Sounds good. Just so, go ahead and describe it all, okay? And I'll listen. Yeah, no problem. Right? So I, I'm going to call this um, new development, I'm going to call it Operation Red Beam. And this new phenomenon took place on um, January 1st. Wow, January 1st? Oh, January 2nd. So is when I first noticed this. So I've noticed several different, well, I've noticed one other beam in particular. It would be um, a blue beam. So now I've noticed a red beam. So the red beam, um, I first noticed it as I'm looking at the sky. I'm looking at the objects in the sky, and I'm kind of scanning the sky. 
and I noticed this red red beam, and um, it was to the it was to like to the left of me, and I did I just kept scanning. I noticed another one, and it was directly in front of me, <clears throat> and the beams were such that you could look at the light and see the red beam, but then you can follow it up to the object, and then once you look at it directly from to the object, it looks like somebody's turned on a laser pointer and pointed it right at your eye. It's, it's, I mean, it's just, you can't miss it if you're looking directly at it. So I looked directly at both of them, and I realized they're both pointing at me, and they're right there. And um, since the second, I've noticed, um, I've noticed um, up to three or four surrounding me, actually possibly, possibly more, okay? But back um, to the first, the first incident that this happened, um, I moved to a spot where these these lights couldn't see me. Um, the main, where the beam was coming from, the objects where they couldn't, where the beam was no longer directly at me, I couldn't see them. Now they could, just, for whatever reason, they could still know that I'm there. That's fine. But I kind of went to a spot where I couldn't see these two red beams anymore myself. Um, but by then, um, when I thought I was, so to speak, in the clear, I noticed um, I picked up a lot of light that goes through. Um, change of light. Uh, usually it's like more of contrast of white and black. I pick up on a lot of contrast, um, but also some red, um, some oranges. So when I noticed, I started noticing this like red light, and it was it was moving, but not too far away from me. And so I actually took that visual of this red light that I was looking at, and I just kind of followed it, and I started following it, and it took me right up to one of those objects. And again, I'm looking right up the red beam, which looks like the laser pointing in my eye. And I realized, okay, there's a lot more than just these two, because anyway, so I'm just paying attention mainly to this light from this third one that I've seen now. Um, and this light is like scanning me. So I'm watching it and it's going side by side and from my right to my left of my body and like a foot, you know, in each direction. So way up there, wherever it was, I have no idea, but there's a radius that it's scanning. And I'm just realizing, <laughs> you know, it's just bizarre that, I had three of them doing that, and several more I, since that night. I've noticed um, the same thing happening, but but others would approach later. But the thing that's really bizarre is that there it's always the it's always red lights um, on these few that are closest to me. And normally, like when I was, you know, when I first noticed the blue beams. That was a while ago. That was several months ago, at least six months ago. And I've noticed them off and on. And they do very similar things, except for they don't, I didn't see as many of the blue beams, objects, and beams themselves. I didn't see as many, like the red ones are surrounding. There's, there's several of them. And they get called in almost because, you know, these, these objects will, point me in directions of other objects because they'll look up and they'll look over and they'll look at something that's cruising by, whether it's an airplane. Um, they, they just pay attention to things. I can point, oh, look at that, and they'll all look. They'll all look, look where my 
fingers pointing. And that's how you can tell it because <clears throat> the way I can see those be- the red beam and how I followed the red beam up to the object itself, that's how you can kind of tell what they're looking at because I can see that light. So wherever they're looking, the light's in front of them because it's their headlight. So it's almost like their own personal spotlight, you know. So that's how I have always been able to follow these objects and what they're looking at because their light is showing me what they're looking at. So um, it's no different from the red beams, and they're communicating with each other, but they're not all red, though, either. So after a certain distance, um, there'll be the normal white lights that I always see that move and, and whatnot. Now, these red ones are the same. They, everything is the same as far as um, how they act, how they move, um, the height that they go, how they drop low, they go back high, they go from the right to the left. You know, they're pretty stationary, even though they're, you know, they have a zone. They have an area they usually stay in. They don't cross the skies. But their lights certainly look everywhere. They're always moving their lights, and um, they do drop low and, and climb back up high and, and whatnot. They're very similar to all the other objects that I normally see, um, except for the red beam. And then, so when I've noticed these objects with the red beans and they're the ones closest to me, the ones further out are going to be white. And, I mean, crystal, you know, white as snow white, you know, just so white and so, such a bright white light. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. I have yet to start to, like, Google it and look it up. And some people might think that's strange because you first thing you'd want to do is like learn about it like that. But I'm I like to learn about things on my own first a little bit and then um now that doesn't mean I I wouldn't want to hear somebody with some information on it if they've seen something or if they know anything. I'd love to hear a testimony but uh, as far as me digging into my own research, I just want to be you know what I mean, I want to see it a little bit more. Possibly just to not I don't know why, to be honest with you. But it's real interesting because, you know, I've always been really into um, light and I've been very interested in infrared and ultraviolet because, you know, they say that's, that's two spectrums of light that we cannot see and it's, and it's such that flying through, you know, they say outer space and to me that would mean through here as well. Um, you know, and I and I just I'm so into the different spectrums of light, but the, the the ultraviolet, and I'm not saying what I'm seeing is ultraviolet either, because I don't I don't think it is, but I think there's a lot to the colors themselves. Whether it's I don't know, there's something to the colors. It just matches up the infrared and the ultraviolet light that we supposedly can't see, and that's the two choices of these. You know. I mean, there are other objects, like you said, up there that will have green, um, they have red, but it's a different type like what I've seen, like the red that I've seen besides the beam, the red itself is on, a, is on an object that's moving through the sky, and it's usually flashing red when it's when it's going away from you. If the lights are usually white as it's coming towards you. Now, that doesn't mean that's the only ones out there, but I've never seen them with with the beams of the color, like it's the beam. There's a beam that's red and a beam that's blue. That's not 
an object with a red or a blue light. That's the beam itself. And so I'm not really just talking about lights on these objects because it's it's the beam. It's amazing. I don't even know I don't even know what to say except for um when they start crowding up on me and they do, there'll be several of them. The other night it was like <laughs> I don't know how many. I don't know. It was. It started off as two, then it went to three, then it went to four, then it. I want to say maybe up to seven, maybe six. Like I just knew it was. I'm gonna go in now. I'm gonna go inside now. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's that's my report on. I mean, I have. I have a ton to say on the sky. I can talk about the sky, you know, for a hundred years. Um, there's, you know, there's other things that have happened recently that have been like just confirmation that I know, like, that it's okay that I'm out outside as much as I am because, um, you know, there was a concern that was brought up about, you know, about a person or my story of being outside so much and I was able to, you know, I made a little bit of a, I made a comment on it, but it was just real brief and it wasn't exactly my full answer. I said, um, because I'm, I'm protected and there's so much more to it than just that. But I've, I've, I've seen some things like, um, there's, there's so much to say about, about like the energy that's put off, and I, I mean, I'd like, I'd like, to, if I can, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, the energies that the trees release when um, there's the, there's like a cloud cover when it's a chemtrail at night, um, or even just any type of a cloud cover. There's all different types; they look different, but there's a certain energy that these trees release, and they almost come in bursts, like. There, it's like a a yellowish ring around the tree, and it starts like in the middle, and it like I can see it like pulsing up to the top, and then it like bursts out into the into the sky, and this this ring like goes up into the air, into the sky, and it gets bigger and bigger, and then it ends up eventually clearing a path, like clears the area, and several of them will do this, and I can do it myself. I've always cleared space around my home and my neighbor's home, um, even when the rest of the area is under a fog. Um, I and I know that I do because the stars um, will start to fall down in that area, and it's very distinct. I mean, right now, today is the only day that I've ever not been able to do that. And now I have today, and the trees have as well, but only in a tiny, tiny little areas above both of us. So not my whole neighbors or even my home. And so today I have been outside, but only when um, it was clear, and it was clear for a while. I am out in my office right now, and which is my car. Which I could be in the garage, but I usually don't park in there. So, yeah, I've, I walk out to my car. But, but see, that goes with the other aspects of why I I can't ever, even if I didn't clear these patches with these trees, I know it sounds (laughs) bizarre, but I think it's pretty cool. Um, Even if this stuff didn't happen, I'd still be out here because um, 
I mean, be, being afraid to be outdoors is being afraid to, I mean, it's, it's, it's giving up the sun. It's giving up oxygen, even though it's toxic and poisons and still oxygen. We need it. I mean, there's other ways. I understand. I'm, I'm excited to learn. But giving up the sun and giving up what, um, what the emotional well-being of being out in nature, like giving up all that stuff, just, I don't know, I could never do it, you know. And if, and, and the thing is, is that what's so powerful is that there's a connection with the trees. Um, and so what I do is I talk to the trees and I say, you beautiful trees, I pick out some simple words that I know they've heard. Like the word tree. I know they've heard tree because I know a little kid pointed up and said, tree, tree, at some point. And they've heard tree. And, you know, the studies that have been done with the positive talking with the, okay, with the plants, with the water, and with the cooked brown rice. And when you talk positive to these things and what happens, and it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. So, right? So that's so amazing. And that's, we all understand that, and I mean, so why wouldn't we try doing it? Because that's that's just that's on a small level. That's what something that there's a test subject and it's just a small amount. This is like I've got all these trees around me. Why don't I start trying like to talk positive? Because we've, I mean, it, it's just when isn't that the next step? Right? That's what I'm thinking. And it's funny at first, like, you're so, I'm so awkward, like, I'm like, hey, trees, but really I'm not, because I love the trees so much, like, it's easy, I'm like, it's a great conversation, really, I mean, really, I just say, show them what you got, trees, or you trees are so beautiful, I say, oh my gosh, look at that light coming from you over there, or, like, I just say anything, and and those bursts I was telling you about, with the golden rimmer, that goes up to the top and then bursts out into the sky, those are going to happen more when you talk nice to them. And they're, they actually <laughs> probably, this could very well be like just chance, but the wind will blow. I mean, the wind blows, the trees, the tops like stand up higher. Like it's, some, it's quite amazing. And but see, why wouldn't it happen? Because if it happens with cooked brown rice, you know, and you talk positive and it actually lasts weeks and weeks without getting moldy versus the one, the cooked brown rice that you talk really negatively to and it starts growing mold within like six days or something, you know. I mean, if we see these tests with the plants and the water and the brown rice, why couldn't it happen with the trees that are actually in the ground planted with the roots already stabled and... uh, I mean, come on. It, so I think that instead of being scared of being outside, <clears throat> more people should go outside and fill the trees and talk to them and get them to clear their own patches. And maybe there's a way to, like, not have to surrender um, our air and our oxygen and our sunlight, you know? Maybe there's a way we don't have to surrender that. Or maybe there is. I don't know. I just, I will not throw in the towel until, you know, I'm very basically like carried off the court. Like I'm just not throwing in the towel. I wanted to let you know that you just pulled a Connie. And uh, when you pull a Connie, that's when you say something that the fundamentalist Christian brain uh, cannot process. 
And uh, what you talked about is talking to trees. And so uh, Connie used to dig herself in these big holes, and then I would have to show up and try to make some sense out of this stuff <laughs> because I couldn't just, like, you know, just let that just fall to the floor. Um, do you always tell crazy it sounds to talk about talking to trees in a serious manner? But the reason that sounds crazy is because people are have they been exposed to scientific studies that have proven that if you speak lovingly or positively to a plant, it will respond. And uh, I'm a good example of this because I actually did this, and I was a I was unaware of all of this. Um, I identified the phenomena, and then I started to research it. So it happened in reverse. But I don't really recall what the heck I was doing, but I started speaking to this plant for some reason. See, it may have been intuition. And uh, the plant was basically dying. And uh, I know why I did this, because I had a belief this plant potentially could have what's called an elemental spirit. Now, we talked about this on a show with David Colham. Most Christians have never heard of elemental spirits. And uh, we talk about these universal beliefs in the ancient world. Well, that would be one of them. And if you think that's pagan superstition, then God did precisely nothing uh, to warn us about that, pagan superstition in the Bible, which makes it uh, have to wonder if that's because... um, it's actually real, and then I, we actually, Dave and I went over some passages in the Bible which we think actually refers to elemental spirits, like these uh, these stones that Job spoke about that you could make a covenant with. Now, obviously, you you can't have a covenant with a rock, okay? But if you have a a stone that has any kind of significant worth to it, from the ancient perspective. It actually has a little elemental spirit, that's what they're called, that's identified with that stone. And the same thing is true for certain flowers and uh, also plants. Now, another thing that's completely absurd to a Christian mind, we've talked about this before, is hugging a tree. Well, actually, there's books out there that talk about uh, health therapy, which Christians can't benefit from because they are superstitious. See, it's not the tree huggers that you're laughing at with, you know, a little crystal in their in their pocket. You should be doing that too. Okay. No, the problem is at your end, and uh, somebody psyoped you because they don't want you to benefit from that. They want to just hold that cell phone there, right next to your brain, and uh, believing uh, that God will protect you, and not realizing that. Well, you know, if you actually taped a little crystal there to your cell phone. That would be an intelligent action, but you're not supposed to do that kind of thing because, after all, that's what New Agers do. Yeah, but and you can anyway. have the plastic bedazzle all over your phone. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, the, the Druids... That cheap crap, that, you know, like, that's okay. <laughs> the Druids had these beliefs about uh, trees, that they had these spirits that were identified with them. And I don't want to get into all that because um, there's a tremendous amount of disinformation about Druids. I just... Now as a reference point, it's, a, it's an example of how people used to know these things anciently. But yeah, the thing about a tree has a very powerful electromagnetic field. And see, this is the basis for for witchcraft here—a point of contact. 
you know, it's it's better to hug the tree and envelop it as much as possible, just like if you're sunbathing. Same thing, electromagnetics, okay? Um, the more sunlight that contacts your body, the better. The more you can contact that tree by hugging it, the better the healing or regenerating effect, okay? Instead of just standing next to it, but you will benefit from it. Now, it's actually peaceful. And people will do this intuitionally, like read a book, especially where people were more in contact with the earth. I know that sounds really new agey, too. But see, these electromagnetic centers have been shut down by environmental toxins, and we're saying that was all on purpose. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, we're going to use this toxin to shut down that uh, that little vortex in your body there, and uh, you Christian McDumdums, you'll never figure it out. You know, you'll think it's all superstition if you were ever confronted with the wild theory that satanic chemists like us are actually doing this kind of thing. Ha, 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 the joke's on you. You'll never figure it out. <laughs> Isn't this funny? So, yeah, I mean, um, uh, these trees have a very powerful electromagnetic field, and it's actually detectable and, and measurable. In other words, to illustrate that it's more powerful than another electromagnetic field. Okay, But the basis for um, talking to a tree is the same as a plant. You see, there's no difference. Now, they have a fantastic book out there called The Secrets of Plants. I think I believe that's what it's called. The guy is the same author as the book Secrets of the Soil. I mean, I have the book. And he's got all this scientific evidence. I mean, it's, you got to say it's conspiracy theory they concocted this all to make us believe in New Age beliefs. That's what you'd be, you know, have to believe something like that. There's overwhelming evidence that when you talk to these plants, it benefits from them. They receive benefit from it. And um, what's interesting with the plant is, um, for some reason, I got distracted. And I stopped. I stopped talking to the plant. And guess what happened to the plant? It started to deteriorate. <laughs> so I experienced, you know, the, both the positive and, and negative side of the whole thing. And then I, I got that book later and started to realize what's going on. But yeah, if you can talk to a plant, it's gonna if if, if a if a tree has a more beneficial, um <clears throat> powerful field, you're gonna get better results. Okay? But also you can be relatively certain from an ancient perspective that even though the plant may not have one of these elemental spirits, okay, the tree will. Especially if it's a good, like, old oak tree or something like that. I yeah. guarantee you. And so when and I, the reason I say this, Emily, is because, see, let's say that there is no elemental spirit. That tree or the plant is still going to benefit. And it, it benefits because you're actually creating a positive right spin electromagnetic field that benefits that plant. That's what you're actually doing. The, the way to illustrate that is to look into all this research that this uh, doctor over in Japan, I believe he's a doctor. You're familiar with this kind of thing. I always forget his name. We've talked about him before. It, it doesn't even matter what religion you are from. If you um, pray over food or water, it benefits. It doesn't matter what deity. It has to do with one word, and this is one of the most important words in magic. Intent. You see that? That's the difference between... Um, "Quote unquote white magic and black magic is the intent. And if your intent is good, but you're acting in ignorance, 
because you are ignorant about this deity that you're praying to, just because of your intent alone, it will have a beneficial effect. It's been proven. So, you know, go refute it. You know, I mean, how are you going to do that, you know, on food or water? But, yeah, I mean, if you intentionally, we're not talking about praying now, if you intentionally uh, try to change the energetic structure of water, it, it works every time. It, it, it changes the surface tension. It's measurable. It's provable. The water becomes sweeter. And when Teflon gets on here, he's going to talk about that he has experienced that if you actually stir water like, like we've talked about before for like 40 times, it actually changes the taste of the water. And uh, it does become sweeter. He, he noticed that without me even saying anything to him. He just came back to me and reported on that. So you're changing the energetic structure of the water. And uh, you can do that with not only water but food, and it benefits a plant because it changes the uh, <clears throat> the immediate environment of the plant. And it's true that words have power, and the reason they do is because it has they have electrical properties. Every time you speak a word, it, it creates an electromagnetic field. It impacts the, impacts the local environment, just like... Um, Speaking negative words or being around people that we call energy vampires, you see, whether they're knowingly or unknowingly, um, their thoughts are imp impacting the local environment. You can feel these people when they come in the room, okay? It, it, can, it can be a demon, okay? But it doesn't have to be a demon. It can be negative energy that the Christian brain cannot process, because we don't talk about, do we talk about electromagnetic energy in the local church? We don't. We don't do that, do we? Okay. But like I said before, this is the basis for mesmerism, <clears throat> which is a, uh, I believe it's an 18th century uh, practice. It's some of the, somewhat interestingly, some of these um, healing evangelists were do, were using to some degree, uh, along with um, they were being empowered by demons. These are these agents, okay? And I believe that they were actually using technology, just like some of these magicians that Emily and I will talk about later. And they're using magic as well. They combine it all up just for you. And if you're ignorant enough to show up at a Benny Hinn uh, healing crusade, then you're going to be psyoped. And, uh, and, you know, we'll give you a demon on the way home too, just a little present there. And we'll put a curse on you, oh, because we want to touch you. See, he wants to touch everybody. He's putting a curse on people. And uh, these uh, satanic fakes have actually been uh, identified and recorded. You'd have to explain this away with a the conspiracy theory, too. Speaking in satanic tongues and actually praising Satan under their breath. Okay? If you want to believe that's a big conspiracy, you, you just go right ahead. Okay? These guys are Satanists, and they're preying on evil, naive, unsuspecting Christians, just like the ones who show up <clears throat> at these Christian conspiracy conferences where they want to tell you that, uh, well, you know, the people that are piling these UFOs, they're actually Nephilim or fallen angels, or it's, it's all demons. Dave, didn't you know? Uh, yeah, I did know, but I also knew something you didn't know. That's a bunch of propaganda directed at the Christian mind. And you need to figure that garbage out because 
they just manufactured that not that long ago. And uh, it's a bunch of garbage. Because they knew that the average Christian is not going to believe in aliens. So they have a special little story just for you. Well, Emily, um, I really hate this beeping phone. And uh, I think I'll listen to this podcast. Yeah, no, and we'll talk about some of the things it. that you talked about. I had problems actually hearing it, so I can't really react to it. But I, I really wanted to shut this podcast down because it's a stupid phone. But yeah, it shows no, you yeah, it, it shows you the value of getting on Skype. I, I know. You can I see it now. That. So this the, yeah. the good thing about this, this is a negative thing. We're going to make a positive out of it. Yeah. And Emily and I are going to try to talk on Skype more often, like I'm doing with other people. But she, yeah. we just got her on Skype tonight, so that's why we had that problem. All right, I'll let you go, my dear. Okay, sounds good. I will talk to you later. Yeah, take care. We love you. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.